five, four, three, two, one. Hello, hello, hello. Check one, two. This is your host, Sir Dr. JM, coming at you live for episode 34 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. You can find me on all socials, so why not give me a follow? Reach out to me there. I'd love to interact with you. If you have questions, comments, concerns, anything you want me to address, talk about, or otherwise discuss on the show, then hit me up there, and I am happy, happy to oblige. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So go give us a follow there, leave a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. And of course, if you find something that you can't find the podcast on, then hit me up on Twitter and I'll dig into it. Now, for today's show, we've got quite a few interesting news stories. Um, Oh my gosh, one segment that I basically completely forgot about that I'm going to have to add into the end of the show here. If you'll bear with me one moment, I'm just going to make a note there. Uh, Okay, we're good. Awesome. Uh, So we'll dive right on in, cover the news, and then we'll get to that segment that I was just talking about. Um, If you're unfamiliar with the show, uh, we cover two weeks worth of Overwatch-related news, uh, Overwatch League-related news, and everything going on, again, in the wonderful world of Overwatch. This week, we've got lots of Overwatch League news to talk about. We've got the latest casting announcements. We've got an addition or a removal even to a roster for the upcoming 2021 season and the final segment we are going to look at the upcoming games in the overwatch league because we are currently uh, about a week and a half out from the return of the overwatch league so without further ado let's dive on in playtime's over All right, so our first story we're going to talk about here, we're actually going to jump ahead in the timeline a bit. Uh, As I mentioned, we're going to cover two weeks worth of news, Um, but some of the latest news is uh, related to the game more than the Overwatch League, so I'm going to get that out of the way because most of this episode will, of course, be focused on the upcoming 2021 season. So our first story comes from .esports.com, posted by Liz Richardson on April 6th. That is today as of recording. And it reads like this. The 2021 Overwatch Archives event is live. Hit the rewind button and dive back into the Overwatch Archives. The 2021 version of the event is now live and runs from April 6th to 27th. This year, Archives brings eight new skins and a ton of new cosmetics for players to enjoy. Unfortunately for fans, due to the developer's focus on Overwatch 2, there will be no new PvE Archives missions this year. All three of the existing Archives missions, Uprising, Retribution, and Rising Storm, will be playable throughout the duration of this year's event, however. To make things spicy, new challenges will arise every week to test your mettle in these classic stories. Challenge Stars. During Overwatch events, there are usually three weekly challenges. Each of these challenges includes an epic skin as a reward after players rack up nine wins in Overwatch. For this year's archive events, though, the players are switching it up and testing a new celestial reward system. Instead of wins, players will now earn stars as they participate in Overwatch Archives missions. Players don't have to complete or beat the missions to earn stars. Tougher missions, like those on expert difficulty, will reward more stars. This way, players will be rewarded just for participating in Archives missions and taking their best shot at the most difficult challenges the developers can throw at them. Each week, players will have to earn 10 stars to unlock a player icon, 20 stars to unlock an exclusive spray, and 30 stars to unlock the week's epic skin. A specific Archives mission will be highlighted each week and will reward double stars. Week 1. Overwatch's first Archives mission, Uprising, will reward double credit. Tackle challenges like Molten Core, in which enemies drop lava on death, for increased difficulty and reward. Earning 30 stars this week will unlock the epic skin Corridor Lucio. Week 2, Archives Retribution, the tale of Blackwatch's dark mission in Rialto, will give double credit this week. A new mission challenge this year is Sympathy Pains, where damaging one enemy gives health back to other remaining enemies. 
Tackling Retribution will earn 30 stars and unlock Subaquatic Zenyatta. Week 3, head back to Havana to catch up with Maximilian and discover the mysteries surrounding him, which may be important in Overwatch 2. This year's new Storm Rising challenge, uh, mission challenge, sorry, is Thunderstorm, which gives enemies electric power that damages nearby players. After tackling the storm, players can earn 30 stars to unlock Camouflage Mercy. The Overwatch Archives event begins April 6th and runs through 27th. Be sure to participate in weekly challenges to earn the epic skins. Once a skin's weekly challenge is over, that cosmetic can't be earned at any other point during the event. So there you have it. That is the uh, overview of the Archives event for 2021. Um, as we all know, this is a recurring event. Uh, one of the better ones, in my opinion, they've kind of mixed things up each year with the actual archive missions and I do enjoy them as well as it's kind of one of the ones where they actually do integrate some of the lore uh, pardon me that appears to be missing from a lot of the other uh, uh, special events um, so especially I mean uprising was fine if you ask me but retribution and especially um, the thunderstorm mission or no not thunderstorm they didn't actually name the the third one there the retribution and then the Havana mission with Maximilian I think was uh, more lore loaded than many other events and I definitely appreciate that because I always enjoy some good lore. Uh, looking at the skins we can actually talk about this article that is tied into that. Again posted on .esports.com by Liz Richardson on April 6th. Here are all of the 2021 Overwatch archive skins. So she breaks it down. We've got Corridor Lucio. Uh, it's kind of like a, he's kind of got kind of a bike rider, like uh, like motorcycle rider uh, look to him. Uh, some flames, a spiky helmet, that kind of thing. Um, I like it. Not the best Lucio skin, but I like it. We've then got Subaquatic Zenyatta, which is actually a pretty sick one. Um, and Liz writes, 10,000 leagues under Nepal lies this genuinely unsettling version of Zenyatta. The Omnic Monk has previously been cast as the monster under the deep with his Cthulhu-inspired cultist skin, but now he's a seafaring explorer, or at least the exploration vessel for sea diving. Zenyatta's face has been replaced with a submarine headlight, and his entire body has been bronzed like an old ship. So I like that one a lot. Uh, the the head in particular has kind of a kind of that you know from Bioshock that Big Daddy esque helmet. Um, on, on his head, and I think that one looks really sick. The third one there is a Camouflage Mercy, which is kind of blah, uh, in my humble opinion. It's it's nothing to write home about. Legendary skins, we've got Cavalry Tracer, uh, which looks kind of like what you'd expect. It's a very kind of Revolutionary War-style outfit for Tracer. Um, you know, British and American-inspired, just in colors, that kind of thing. Soldier, as well, is keeping with that theme in 1776, Soldier 76. And then we have Musketeer Widowmaker, which is, of course, a musketeer-inspired uh, outfit for Widowmaker. And that one is uh, pretty sick as well. And then finally, we have Polyanitsa Zarya, which is apparently inspired by a legendary female warrior in Russian folklore. So that's kind of cool. Oh, and finally, there's the Bushi Genji, which is a Bushido-inspired outfit for Genji. So a very samurai-esque uh, suit for Genji, as opposed to his, obviously, um, his cyber ninja look that he is traditionally donning. Uh, but certainly, that's a really cool one as well. So I'm a fan of all these legendary skins. Um... You know, if if I were to uh, rank them, I would probably go Genji, Soldier, maybe Tracer, and then Zarya and Widow. I just don't really care about the two of them, so there you have it. Uh, but anyways, that's what we're looking at for the Overwatch Archives event. I did not realize it'd be running from the 6th or starting today and running through the 27th, although that makes sense as Tuesday's normally patch day. Uh, but get out there, get your wins. Interesting that they're testing out a new system with this Celestial Reward system. Um, they've obviously never done that. It's it's just been straight up, you know, three, six, nine wins you get rewarded. Nine wins being the, the final, uh, that epic skin. Um, I do wonder if this will, this change will make it easier or more difficult um in the past i mean if you ask me the easiest way to earn these skins is always just go into the 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 single player missions on easy or normal beat them nine times <laughs> that's that's really kind of all there is to it um they take you know approximately 20 minutes each so 
roughly that works out to three hours. If your team is, you know, if you're teaming up with friends, you can probably clean it up even quicker. Um, but I digress. I've always found it not, certainly not too difficult to, uh, to beat at all in any way. Um, and then that's simply by playing the uh, PvE missions. Obviously, you could also just do competitive or uh, quick play matches. And, you know, depending on your skill level, you might just have an even easier time at it uh, that way. So I digress. I'm excited. Uh, I, I do like the Archives event. And I like skins. So there you have it. Now, let's move on to our first story relating to the Overwatch League. And, of course, uh, from here on out, the rest of the show will be about the Overwatch League. Uh, lately, I mean, this has certainly been an Overwatch League show, not so much an Overwatch in itself show. And uh, that's simply because there isn't a ton of Overwatch news these days. So let's dive into the League news. Our first article here comes from Esports Observer, and this is written by Kevin Hitt, posted on March 25th. And it reads like this. Overwatch League announces viewer experience improvements for 2021 season. The Overwatch League has announced that it has implemented a slew of improvements to enhance the viewing experience heading into the 2021 season. Among those enhancements will be the ability to earn reward points, with watch events in 4K definition, and the ability to watch matches live or on demand while being able to clip your favorite moments. Additionally, viewers will now be able to see players with a new, quote, always-on player camera, will be able to watch a selection of Encore matches as replays. Lastly, the league has instituted a new match scores ticker and a spoiler-free mode that allows fans to hide results on the score ticker, schedule, and standing sections. Starting with the Overwatch League Flash Ops Experimental Card Tournament broadcast that can be watched from March 27th to 28th, that's obviously passed, and then continuing through the rest of the 2021 season, viewers will be able to watch live matches and earn rewards directly on the Overwatch League YouTube channel, as well as on overwatchleague.com and the Overwatch League mobile app. Now, I'm going to pause there because I want to talk a little bit about that, as that's the first kind of big tidbit that is in this article. Um, so, big change there, and honestly, probably one of the biggest improvements they could have made. I personally don't know how they didn't have this figured out for the start of last season. Um, I know they were new to the shift to YouTube, uh, as opposed to streaming Overwatch League on Twitch. But I really think that they should have sorted out the rewards and, uh, and drops uh through youtube or youtube integration it was in my humble opinion a pain in the ass to have to go to overwatchleague.com or use the app i often 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 found myself sitting in my living room watching games on the youtube app on either my roku or on my playstation and also pulling up the games through the overwatch league app on my phone or running down to my basement putting on the game on a computer through overwatchleague.com and just leaving that on all day. And the simple reason for that is because I'm a crack addict and I love earning things for doing absolutely nothing. So really, I mean, really, I mean, basically useless. But I digress. I don't know how they didn't have that figured out uh, before the start of the season when if you look at YouTube and you look at YouTube integrations, other companies already had those integrations um, where you could, you know, connect your Epic account or connect your Riot account uh, to your YouTube uh, account as well. So really great to see that finally coming through. Um, and if you haven't already connected yours, uh, just Google how to do it. It's super simple. You basically go to your YouTube account, go to your settings, and there's an integrations area where you just log, you basically choose what you're logging in with. So you, you know, your battle.net or blizzard account, whatever they call it these days. Um, and you just log in and it links the two and now you earn rewards and it's awesome and super easy. So moving on from there, in order to participate, fan oh, this will dive into a little bit more of how to do it, but I digress. In order to participate, fans can create a Blizzard account and link it with their YouTube account to start enjoying the Overwatch League perks by T-Mobile. For the upcoming season, fans will be able to earn League tokens to use on a wider selection of Overwatch League skins and sprays, including two new legendary skins going on sale tomorrow, a custom opening week spray designed by Zoe Geschwind, and more. So uh, I actually didn't know about that uh, that spray designed by Zoe, uh, but that's cool. And then the two legendary skins, obviously, we talked about last week. Viewers will now be able to watch the Overwatch League in 4K definition as well. Both live and on-demand 4K matches will be made available on the League's YouTube channel, website, and mobile app. So let's touch on that for a moment. Uh, definitely, I don't think one of the most demanded uh, 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 
upgrades this year, um, but certainly one that I would have expected to see if I had you know made a list of of here's what the improvements and changes they're going to do. A little bit shocking again that they didn't have that ready to go for last season, but at the same time, I mean, last season was a completely different ball of wax because we all thought that we were going to be getting home stands at the start of the season and things were going to look vastly different than they did. It's only really obviously because of the pandemic and the COVID situation that everything was still as online as it was. So certainly some growing pains last season um, and certainly some, you know, rapid changes occurring so another new addition in improving the viewer experience for owl fans is that now all overwatch league matches whether live or on demand on the league's youtube channel will feature clip functionality this now allows viewers to clip and share scenes of up to 60 seconds of video uh let's touch on that one for a second because that one will especially be important for the community um certainly that's a feature that i think it, uh, is built into twitch and is widely used and is uh in a lot of ways really appreciated by the community i think that one speaks the most in a lot of ways to the community because community can watch they can cut out their own things they can make fan videos they can make mashups um you know even when the league or or organizations have have contests um it it just and it empowers fans to be a part of the action and to uh, take things into their own hands in a lot of ways. So certainly I think that's one of the most community-facing uh, uh, upgrades this year, and I'm looking forward to really seeing what that, uh, what that you know, provides to the fans. So let's move on now. Fans will now be able to watch their favorite players with the new always-on cameras that will be used for players. The camera setups will allow fans to see more live shots of all the players competing, generally when the broadcast is observing an individual player in first person. Let's touch on that one for a second. Uh, that was one thing that I think most people had brought up as an improvement to see in the next season, um, because certainly it was hit and miss whether or not uh, you know, you would have that little face cam on a player, whether or not they would have it on, whether or not they would have it pointing at them, um, and and things like that. So I think the league obviously invested in, uh, likely in some hardware for teams, so that uh, they could mandate that, yes, as long as your camera is not physically broken, it has to be on, and you will be on air, or, or you will be live kind of thing. Um, so I'm sure there were some legalities around that. And again, another sort of pain of, uh, of COVID and, and playing remotely as opposed to uh, live in person. Um, I think that's, that's another player or factor in why we saw that. So I digress. Moving on from there, the league has designated... 24 matches featuring the New York Excelsior, Philadelphia Fusion, and Los Angeles Valiant as Encore matches. Encore matches will be shown at different replay times, allowing viewers to watch matches at more convenient times. All Encore broadcasts will begin at 9.30 a.m. PT and lead into Watchpoint for that day's West Region schedule. So that obviously touches on the fact that we now have this larger time difference between the, the two regions, um, being the East and West, with the western region being the primarily uh, korean and chinese focused region um, so this is really good for fans of those teams and especially um, i mean especially fans for fans of the league who want to catch as much as they possibly can but also a big part of that i think is the los angeles valiant's move uh, to the western region as well as of course the and probably more importantly at this point the philadelphia fusions move over to that region as well um you know, those are two very, very obviously Western-focused teams that are now going to be competing in the Eastern region alongside uh, their their other fellow Eastern team, the New York Excelsior. However, New York obviously did this last year, um, whereas the Los Angeles Valiant and the Philadelphia Fusion, this will be the first time they're competing in the other region. So good on them for doing that. And we'll end it off here with, lastly, the League will be adding a new match scores ticker and a spoiler-free mode that allow fans to hide match results on the score ticker, schedule, and standing sections until they are ready to see the results. The scores ticker and spoiler-free mode is scheduled to launch at the start of the Overwatch League season on April 26th. So I'm excited to see how exactly this um, spoiler-free mode works. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it'll probably just be a setting or something like that um you just you know kind of flick on spoiler free mode or or click on i don't know 
hide scores on ticker or something like that. Um, and, and hopefully that will help uh, anyone who doesn't want the results of certain matches spoiled. I personally don't really see myself using it. Um, oftentimes, even if I find out the score of a game, um, I will still watch the, the re replay, the rebroadcast of it just because i'm interested to see and you know i'm i'm more watching for the entire experience of you know what are the big plays who who did what uh you know how did they win not necessarily just uh what the exact results were so there you have it that's a breakdown of the biggest changes and uh improvements that the overwatch league announced for the upcoming 2021 season uh mostly obviously focused on youtube and the viewer experience um, but lots of a very, very exciting changes there and, uh, very much looking forward to getting back in. All right. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to stop here for a second and I'm not going to put up a required reading. I'm going to put up a required viewing. So I'm going to tell everyone that if they go to youtube.com and then they go head on over, my apologies, they head on over to the Plat Chat YouTube channel, which uh, doesn't look like it has a custom URL, so that's kind of a pain in the ass. Google Plat Chat YouTube, um, and you'll find it. And watch episode, episode, episode 81, posted 12 hours ago. So this was April 6th. It is the official Plat Chat 2021 Power Rankings, uh, hosted by Sideshow, featuring Matt Mr. X, featuring Scott Kennedy Custa, and of course, Johnny Reinforce, all of the Overwatch League um, slash uh, Blizzard in Matt's uh, case. Uh, but go watch that episode. It is nearly three hours long. It is their power rankings for the season. It is an exciting episode, and nothing got me more hyped for this upcoming season than watching that video. So go watch it. Anyways, let's dive back into the news. Moving back on over, we're back to .esports.com. Once again, Liz Richardson coming in clutch at uh, on March 25th. And her article reads like this. Chengdu Hunters promote flex support monk. Weeks before the fourth Overwatch League season is slated to begin, the Chengdu Hunters have made another addition to their stacked roster. Flex support monk will be joining the team after a promotion from Chengdu's Overwatch Contenders China roster, Team Chaser. The Hunters initially announced his acquisition on Chinese site Weibo before informing fans on Twitter earlier today. Monk previously played for Flag Gaming for over a year before joining Team Chaser last November. He joined the Hunters Academy team after securing a championship with Flag Gaming in the second half of the 2020 Contenders China season. Monk will be the 12th player on Chengdu's roster, bringing the team to the league limit. He'll join the Hunters' current uh, support lineup of Faraway 1987 on Flex, Nisha playing main support. Chengdu uh, staple... Iveltal, I, I always stumble on the name, even though I know how to pronounce it. It's Iveltal? Iveltal? All right, I digress. Is on a two-way contract with Team Chaser, but can still play games with the Overwatch League roster. The Chengdu Hunters are putting faith in numerous rookies this season. The team's entire support line, aside from Iveltal, will be making their league's debut in a few weeks. Other notable additions include DPS Jimmy and Kaneki, as well as main tank Gaga. For their first match of the season, the Chengdu Hunters will take on the Los Angeles Valiant roster on April 17th at 5.30 a.m. Central Time. So, I uh, wanted to highlight that because it's been a little while since we got a uh, new signing or a new roster announcement um, in the league at all. Um, I know I don't think I really have spoken about Chengdu at all uh, this past offseason because I certainly don't really follow them. But exciting to see that teams are still really kind of filling things out and, and you know, uh, buffing themselves up for the next season. Um, and Chengdu, certainly not looking too shabby. Um, you know, spoilers, but in that Plat Chat episode I was just mentioning, I believe the boys placed Chengdu right around 10th, middle of the pack. Uh, so they're they're really kind of thinking that these guys are going to break out of the, uh, the Chengdu zone, as they refer to it, um, that Chengdu's kind of been stuck in for a while. So exciting stuff, good for Chengdu, and also good for them for beefing up the roster to uh, the, f the limit there. Um, Obviously, we see a lot of teams kind of um, holding off and, uh, you know, sticking around that nine-person roster kind of thing. Even a few with less, uh, you know, more like eight. Um, I don't think anyone has seven anymore. Seven is the league minimum right now. And, like, if I'm really stretching, Vancouver might be at seven, uh, might be at eight even seven or eight, uh, you know, Paris and London might be in a similar boat. I think London might be a little higher because of, uh, because of shacks, but I digress. 
Let's move on to our next article from dailyesports.gg, posted by Michael Czar, and it reads like this, Overwatch League reveals analyst desk for 2021 season. The Overwatch League has revealed the talent for the 2021 season's analyst desk. The group of talent consists of Jonathan Reinforce Larson. Wow, I had no idea that was Zoe's name. Interesting. Salome Zoe Gushwind Penske. Hmm, okay. All right. Jonathan Reinforce Larson, Zoe Gushwind, Danny Lim, and Scott Custa Kennedy. And then they've got the Overwatch League's tweet embedded there. The prophecy has been fulfilled. Please give a very warm welcome to our legendary desk crew for hashtag Owl2021 at Zoe, at Reinforce, at It's Me, Limmy, at Custa. Old analyst return for the 2021 League desk team. Out of the four individuals, three were part of the desk in the 2020 season. Zoe continues her role as an analyst and host, and fan favorite Reinforce does the same. Former player and Dennis Hawelka award winner Custa also returns as an analyst. However, a former translator and host has returned after some time away. Danny Lim, who was a translator for the first two Overwatch League seasons, is now part of the 2021 desk team. The desk team is balanced in both gaming knowledge and charisma. Reinforce and Custa have significant experience playing competitively, which helps them explain complex concepts easily. Reinforce himself was a main tank player for Rogue and Team Sweden years ago. Custa was a captain for the Los Angeles Valiant before retiring and moving on to his current role. On the other side, Zoe has been a crucial part of the community since her role in interviewing for the inaugural season. She showed her skill as a host in the 2018 Overwatch World Cup and hasn't looked back since. Starting in 2019, Zoe joined the desk as an analyst and host. She even spoke up recently on women's roles in esports as a Toronto at a Toronto Defiant panel. However, Danny Lim joining is a nice surprise. Also part of the inaugural season team, Danny was a translator and interviewer for the Korean players and teams. In the Blizzard Arena, his quick thinking and charisma helped him become instantly loved by the fans. Danny has become, uh, sorry, Danny became a freelance host at the start of 2020 and wasn't part of the Overwatch League season. But this year, he's back as a new voice for the desk team. So, not entirely surprising. Um, I would have been shocked if Zoe and Reinforce didn't come back. Um, Custa, on the other hand, I, you know, I don't think he's as... Maybe it's just not in my circle. I don't think he's as uh, big of a deal. Um, he's certainly an important character, and, and I do like him a lot. Um, I just don't follow him as much, so I, I wasn't too sure what was going on with him. Um, but really good to see him back. But in my humble opinion, the most important uh, person they're bringing back in all of this is Danny Lim. Um, I was really disappointed not to see Danny last season and really excited to hear that he was coming back. Um, Danny's a great guy and a great follow on Twitter if uh, you want to look for him. He is at It's Me Limmy. So there you have it. Now, closing down Zoe's Liquidpedia, we're going to move on to... My goodness, I'm I'm front-loaded here with Liz Richardson, it seems, but we've got another article from .esports.com, this time on March 28th by Liz Richardson. Paris Eternal, New York Excel, Boston Uprising, win experimental card tournament. So this was March 28th, and I included this despite not actually covering the tournament happening uh, the week prior, because I actually didn't realize what was going on with this tournament. I had heard a little bit about it, I had been following some of it, but I didn't realize that the teams competing in this experimental tournament were actually uh, comprised of league players, contenders players, uh, you know, a few personalities and streamers and things like that. Um, so I'm going to read through this because Liz does a great job of breaking down what exactly happened in the tournament. If you don't know, uh, the experimental tournament was a set of experimental uh, rules and, and you know, uh, abilities for the characters that were put in place just for this tournament. So it was things like Torbjorn could put down two turrets, but they had reduced health and they did reduce damage. Um, Soldier 76 had uh, two uh, Helix rockets instead of one. Uh, Reinhardt could do um, two fire strikes instead of one or whatever like that. So a bunch of weird, fun little changes like that. And then basically putting that in the hands of, uh, you know, players, uh, a couple coaches, uh, contenders, players, streamers, content creators, that kind of thing. So Anyways, let's get into it. The Flash the Flash Ops Experimental Card Tournament was held in four regions from March 26th to 28th. Unlike previous tournaments, which had a hard limit on Overwatch League players, each league franchise was required to field at least three players for the tournament. There you go. I didn't know that. 
Due to this rule, Overwatch League teams took home the grand prize in every region, turning the experimental card tournament into a preseason showdown. Each region, each region had a prize pool of 10,000 US dollars, and the tournament champions took home 5,000. Here's a rundown of the teams who are a bit richer heading into the league's upcoming start date. South Korea. Most of the Overwatch League's talent hails from South Korea, but since so many players have moved stateside ahead of the season's April 26th start, the region's tournament wasn't as stacked as you might expect. The New York Excelsior, looking to keep things simple, entered the tournament as NYXL. They rolled through the competition and took home the region's $5,000 grand prize. China. The Chinese region's grand finals came down to two powerful teams with Overwatch League talent. Peekaboo, made up of mostly Chengdu Hunters players, faced off against a team full of Shanghai Dragons standouts like Jun Erster Zhong. Peekaboo ended up taking down the Dragons team in a 3-2 score to win the region's grand prize. According to viewers on Reddit, Hunter's main tank, Ameng, apparently showed off his extremely rare Reinhardt skills to score the win. Europe slash Middle East. Tons of Overwatch contenders players showed up for the EMEA version, which would be Europe, Middle East, I'm guessing, of the experimental card tournament. But the Paris Eternal decided to show their former colleagues why they were promoted to the Overwatch League. Eternal General Manager Avala assembled her players to create Best Nightcore Mix 2021 and led them into battle. By the semifinals, only Best Nightcore Mix 2021 and three of the region's best European contenders teams remained in contention for the trophy. The Paris Eternal roster, playing under their mixtape pseudonym, took down the Overwatch contenders team New Kings with a 3-1 final score. North America. Most of the competition's stacked teams ended up in the North American region, where multiple Overwatch League franchises fielded their entire rosters to acquire the grand prize. Teams like the Florida Mayhem, Dallas Fuel, and Washington Justice got far in the tournament, but fell short of the final bracket. Reaper Friday, also known as the Atlanta Reign, took on the Boston Uprising as Jukja in the region's tense grand finals. Despite multi sorry, despite multiple players in off roles, including Rain Main Tank Gator on a surprisingly good DPS run, both teams put their best compositions forward for the finals. Reaper Friday had a bit more fun than necessary, however, and Jukja took advantage of the former team's mistakes uh, to take the North American prize with a three to one scoreline. So I actually did catch um a uh, fair chunk of the uh, North American games there, um, including the final and everything. And as Liz kind of alludes to and mentions here, it was a really good showing of, uh, or sort of a really good preseason matchup. Um, you know, Atlanta Reign and Boston and the Boston Uprising uh, in their sort of uh, altered rosters both looked very competitive. Um, it was really exciting to see. And uh, I definitely have no regrets about spending my, you know, Saturday and Sunday for the most part checking that out. Um, so certainly a good preview, obviously a little dated at this point, but good for all the teams that won and the ones that didn't, but I still. Next up, uh, this story, I'm actually not going to cover this story too much. Um, I'm going to also jump a little bit of this article because it does uh, give a little bit of the backstory that I think we've covered pretty extensively across the past few weeks, um, but I'll, I'll read the important parts here. So this comes from gosugamers.net, and it was posted by Jacob Crafty GG Zilversmith. Um, so I've never actually looked at this site before, but I liked their take on this article here. So the Los Angeles Valiant announced their new 2021 roster. So the article starts off by giving a breakdown of what happened to the Valiant with, you know, the Valiant, whatever, implode, well, not not imploding, but announcing their move to uh, to the APAC region and everything like that. So we've already talked about that. So I'm going to jump down to this here. For over a month, the Los Angeles Valiant had no official roster or staff. Finally, on March 18th, the team announced their new signings on Weibo. DPS, Crystal, DPS, Molanran, Tank, Silver, Tank, NVM, Tank, Shocheng, Support, Hybe, and Support, Waya. Although Valiant, fa Valiant fans finally have players to root for, many of these additions raise more questions than they answer. Crystal on DPS, one of only two Valiant players with Overwatch League experience, was a promising DPS talent for the Hangzhou Spark in 2019. However, he was indefinitely suspended in August of 2019 for a variety of issues, including attitude, commitment, and returning to China mid-season under false pretenses. 
Molanran was a long-standing DPS for Chinese Tier 2 team, the One Winner. The One Winner served briefly as the academy team for the Guangzhou Charge and won Chinese Contender Season 3 in 2018, but have not had much success since. Silver, also formerly of the One Winner, will likely take the lead on main tank considering NVM has not played professional Overwatch since 2018. Shoucheng won Chinese Contender Season 2 in 2020 with flagship, er, sorry, Flag Gaming as a flex DPS, but will apparently transition to tank for the Valiant. Hybe, also formerly of the One Winner, will also be swapping roles from off-tank to main tank. Waya was picked up as a prominent Chinese flex support from the, uh, for the Guangzhou Charge in 2020, but did not play a single map. After such a contentious and disappointing offseason, it will be difficult for the Los Angeles Valiant to rebuild their reputation and earn back their once positive fan perception. So, uh, as I mentioned there, I'm not going to break that down too much because I'm not too familiar with these players. Um, obviously, I've more so just been following the uh, the seeming collapse of uh, the what, what was the Immortals Gaming Club there um, uh, in terms of the actual Los Angeles Valiant or the the former Los Angeles Valiant um, but nonetheless I wanted to highlight the team there because it is important that they announce the roster and also again if you check out most people's uh, power rankings nobody is expecting this this team to do very well um, they've also got two coaches there JP cat and and Heiko Hiko um, so you know important to mention them too but we're gonna move on because Los Angeles Valiant ain't gonna be doing much this season next up on April 3rd, 9 a.m., posted by Josh Wilkinson on Twitter, at Sideshow Gaming. He tweets, off-season career update. Very excited to be working with Owl Casting again for 2021, but there are some troubling problems as well. And he's then got a 2 minute and 16 second uh, video in his tweet where he features Bren and himself, and you can go watch that. And basically, this is the announcement that the two of them will be coming back to the Overwatch League uh, for another season. Uh, not Truly not surprising there. I think if anyone was coming back, everyone would have expected it be the two of them. Um, they are probably some of the most entertaining casters to watch and listen to. And I don't know anybody that doesn't like Bren and Sideshow. Um, the, the odd part about this is I didn't actually find this announcement anywhere else um and an odd thing about this and the next sort of string of announcements is that i haven't actually found anything on the or from the overwatch league announcing these uh these uh casting duos and everything now that said if i go to overwatch league news i'm actually curious if maybe they have posted it and i just didn't check the actual official website um doing a quick look doing a quick look it does not appear they have anything there uh, their most recent article was from eight days ago, before that, 11, 12, 14. So kind of weird there, but hopefully they'll get around to the official, hey, you already knew this, but here's the actual breakdown of who everyone is and what they're going to be doing. So moving on from there, we are going back to DottieSports.com and Liz Richardson coming through again on April 4th. So we're now in this week. The article reads like this. Wolf Hexagrams will not be ca will not cast Overwatch League in 2021. With less than 2 weeks to go until the Overwatch League's 4th season kickoff, casting announcements are sending waves through the, throughout the community. Caster Wolf Schroeder, who has been a part of the Overwatch League since 2019, announced today he was quote not offered a position for the upcoming 2021 season. Another caster, Robert Hexagrams Kirkbride, has taken a production position and will not be returning to full-time casting. Over the league's offseason, Schroeder had been working as a commentator for League of Legends in Korea. In a message posted on Twitter, Schroeder stated Riot Korea was fine with him splitting time between League of Legends and Overwatch League. Though the, quote, first half of the season did not conflict with Riot's broadcasts, Schroeder was not offered a casting position with the Overwatch League for undisclosed reasons. His casting partner, Seth Achilles King, has not yet revealed his plans for the 2021 season. Hexagrams was partnered with Jack Jaws White last season, will be entering into production for the 2021 season. On his personal stream, Hexagrams noted that he was offered both a production and talent role, but pursued production to expand his talent. He also said there's still a chance for him to be on the broadcast next season. Earlier this week, Josh Sideshow Wilkinson and Bren Hook confirmed their return to casting with a video announcement. Mitch Ubershout Leslie 
and Matt Mr. X Morello will also be returning. A formal 2021 casting announcement has not yet been made by the Overwatch League. So again, this was posted on Monday, and that last kind of paragraph there illustrates exactly what I was saying. I can't find official sources on this. It's just people reporting in tweets and stuff, but whatever. Anyways, um, definitely disappointing not to see Wolf coming back. Uh, Wolf, I, I mean, Liz does a good job of highlighting everything there, and Wolf, I think, was an important and exciting part of the Overwatch League. But at the same time, as we will see, there is some new talent coming in. And that brings us to a tweet on April 5th from at Vicky Kitty. And this is, of course, Victoria, I don't know her last name, Kitty herself. And it reads like this. Uh, so she's actually quote tweeting a video post by Jack White. Uh, who is, of course, Jaws, um, where he announced that he was going to be casting. And Vicky says, yeah, sorry, Jaws, hashtag just a caster. But this means we get to keep you on the mic and make our duo debut for the Overwatch League 2021 season. Happy to announce that I'm joining the Overwatch League broadcast with at Jaws casts for the 2021 season. So that one, big, big, big deal. I'm very, very excited to see Vicky coming up to the Overwatch League. Um, the only thing that could have been better than this is to also see Lemon Kiwi coming up. Um, obviously, she's going to be sticking to contenders, I'm assuming. Um, but I'm really excited to see Vicky. I'm really excited to see uh, a female caster coming into the mix. And also the fact that she'll be casting with Jaws is awesome. Is awesome. Sorry. Uh, Jaws is definitely, uh, is, I don't know, I mean, he casted last season, but in a lot of ways, sort of an up-and-comer compared to the other casters. Um, but he's uh, really fun to listen to as well. And Vicky will be a great partner for him, I'm sure. Moving on from there, we're going to go back to DottieSports.com. This time, Samuel O'Dwyer coming through on April 6th. That was today, although in four minutes it will have been yesterday. And his article, sticking with the theme of casters, reads like this. Avril will join the caster's desk for the 2021 season of the Overwatch League. New Zealand-born shoutcaster and analyst Kevin Avril Walker is bringing his talents to the Overwatch League in 2021. After spending years honing his skills casting for multiple development esports leagues like the Australian, Korean, and Pacific Overwatch Contenders series, Avril has found his talent highly sought after in recent months. The caster announced his involvement with Owl on his personal Twitter account today. Embedded tweet reads, Yes, I'm here to announce that I will be pairing up with at Achilles Casts for the 2021 Overwatch League season. Accidentally opened the tweet there, my bad. I cannot wait to work with Seth this year to bring you all the action from APAC. It is no longer April 1st, and damn does it feel good to finally tell the world. After being let go from the broadcast team of Korean contenders earlier this year after some unfortunate mismanagement and poor practice on his employer's behalf, Avril was reinstated to the position after the Overwatch community came to his defense. Avril has made the most of the short period after this incident. He earned a casting position on the Valorant Challenger series in North America and is now announcing a more permanent position with the Overwatch League. This comes just days after the fan favorite casters Wolf Schroeder and Robert Hexagrams Kirkbride announced they will not be returning to the OWL broadcast in 2021. Hexagrams has taken a production position within Blizzard and Wolf has found a position casting League of Legends in Korea. With less than two weeks to go until the Overwatch League's fourth season kickoff, there is no official lineup announcement from the League on who will feature on this year's broadcast. Again, more confirmation of that. But anyways, uh, this was a big deal. Um, Avril, there was some drama around Avril uh, for the simple fact of, as they kind of alluded to here, poor practice on his employer's behalf and unfortunate mismanagement. Um, there was some drama where uh, he was treated pretty poorly or basically he asked for as much money as he deserved and is worth and they turned him down from that. And uh, it actually prompted uh, Uber Shouts Mitch Leslie to chime in on Twitter pretty publicly as well and call out uh, some of the management organizations that run this stuff. I think Elo Hell was one of them. Um, and so anyways, really good to see that, uh, the, the league decided to bring him up in this sense. Um, you know, kind of a, kind of a screw you take that to, to the contender scene. So now we move on to an article on thegamehouse.com posted by Brian Rockwood today on April 6th. And this one, uh, certainly not a, not a cheery story. Um, a disappointing story to say the least. Boston Uprising, release soon, citing visa complications. 
It looks like the worldwide pandemic is still causing trouble for the Overwatch League teams. On Tuesday, April 6th, the Boston Uprising announced the release of Terrence Soon Tarlier. Tar- Tarlier. Soon joined the team earlier in the 2020 in 2021, pardon me, and looked to be the team's premier tracer player heading into the season. Now, just two weeks before the season, the former Paris Eternal DPS standout is without a team. Boston Uprising tweet embedded here, and it reads, The Uprising have parted ways with Soon99 due to visa issues. We were looking forward to having him on the team and wish him the best of luck moving forward. The news of Soon's release comes as a shock to many Boston Uprising fans. Recently, Soon made his Uprising debut in the Steel Series Invitational and appeared to not be incredibly impacted by the ping difference. Soon was one of the more exciting off-season pickups for the Uprising. He brought a veteran presence to a team that was adding a few rookies... Pardon me. He brought a veteran presence to a team that was adding a few new rookies to the roster, and many thought he would serve to be a mentor throughout the year. The timing of the announcement is a bit unfortunate as well. With the Overwatch League getting its start in just under two weeks, there's little chance that Soon is able to find a new home right away. As the season progresses, fans could potentially see the Tracer Specialist find a spot on one of the Western teams who would need his skill set. As it stands, it looks like the Uprising weren't able to find a pathway for Soon to join the team in Massachusetts. Unfortunately, the visa issue appeared to be too much for Boston to justify keeping Soon on the roster for the time being. Boston Uprising as a whole appear to value having their players all playing together rather than online. As their season starts on April 26th, audiences will see if this ends up being the best move for Boston. So, as I mentioned, they're uh, just a just a disappointing story to hear um it was really exciting to hear that soon had been picked up uh not necessarily by boston but picked up at all because um you know soon being one of the veterans in the in the league and as well as uh being in a lot of ways seeming isolated in the paris uh sort of region there if you will um it definitely i think a lot of the uh the french players there just for whatever reason seem a little more isolated and a little less likely to be picked up by other teams and i mean if you look at a player like ben best uh i definitely don't think he would have been a terrible pickup but obviously he's not playing in the league right now um so it was really good to see soon kind of breaking out of that and getting picked up even if it was you know by the bottom feeder boston uprising um boston looking looking like they might actually be competitive this season so it would have been really exciting to see soon over there and certainly the paris eternal of last year uh, you know, were not anything to scoff at. I think they ended uh, maybe fifth overall or something like that, um, which was really great to see, given I think uh, they were very highly underrated going into the previous season. So anyways, uh, upsetting to see that soon will not be not be joining or not be finding a team and likely will not be picked up by another team. Um, but hey, you never know what happens. Maybe someone will find some 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 change to throw his way moving on from there we're going back to another casting story i don't know why i moved why i put boston ahead of this story i should have bumped this one up anyways this one is again liz richardson on esports.com on april 6th and it reads doa returning to overwatch league casting in 2021 as new talent rises in the overwatch league veterans sometimes return to the show sorry wow let me start that over as new talent rises in the Overwatch League, veterans sometimes return to show the whippersnappers how it's done. Eric Doa Lonquist, who previously casted two years of the league alongside Christopher Monte Cristo Michaels, will be returning to the casting desk for the 2021 season. This time around, he'll be paired with fellow veteran caster Andrew ZP Rush to tackle late night East Region games. So Andrew Rush tweeted, Happy to announce that I'll be returning for 2021 Overwatch League season. Of course, I needed a new partner, and there was one notable name missing from my collection. Gotta catch them all. And then he has a nice little video that says, people I've casted with, and he goes through and Hex is checked off, Mr. X is checked off, Uber's checked off, Jake is checked off, Sideshow is checked off, Bren is checked off, Wolf is checked off, Avast is checked off, and finally, Doa is on the list. Continuing with the article... Over the offseason, ZP lost his 2020 casting partnership when Jake Lyon rejoined the Houston Outlaws as player coach. As a flexible, adaptable caster, ZP could have joined up with anyone, but 
Doa apparently wanted back in the game. Doa spent most of 2020 casting various esports titles, most no notably Team Fight Tactics from Riot Games. He and Monty were considered the league's most veteran casters when they were part of the talent team in 2018 and 2019. Both left the Overwatch League before the 2020 season began. ZP and Doa may well be the final casting duo for the 2021 season. Yesterday, Jack Jaws Wright announced that he'd be returning alongside Overwatch contenders caster Victoria Vicky Kitty Perez. There's her last name. Fellow contenders, caster, and Pacific talent expert Kevin Avril Walker will be joining up with Seth Achilles King in 2021. Overwatch League staples like Mitch Ubershouts, Leslie, Matt, Mr. X, Morello, Brennan Hook, and Josh Sideshow Wilson Wilkinson will also be returning. The fourth season of the Overwatch League kicks off April 16th. So there you have it. Exciting to see Doa coming back. Um, and honestly, it, it, one of the most exciting parts of all this, if you ask me, is the fact that... Um, for some of us who've you know followed the league for not not even every season it's had i mean we're only going into the fourth season um but for someone like me who's who started somewhere in mid-season two and then followed the rest of the season as well as all of season three it's exciting to see familiar faces coming back and and see that you know the league kind of has this this history even if uh even if you know it's only been around for you know however many two three four seasons right um so very 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 exciting and now we're gonna take a quick break here so i can catch some water and then we're gonna jump right on back in and we're gonna look at what's upcoming for week one of the overwatch league 2021 season there's no stopping me all right so here we go let's pull up the schedule for the upcoming week uh, and I mean, I should mention it's not this weekend or anything. Uh, it is, of course, April 26th. We have our return of the Overwatch League, the start of the 2021 season. So let's take a look. Kicking off on Friday, April 16th, we've got the new Houston Outlaws facing off against the new Dallas Fuel. So this should be an exciting match. Of course, it is the Battle for Texas. Uh, the two Texan teams facing off for the first time in the season, and uh, certainly not a rivalry to scoff at. Um, both of these teams have obviously undergone some pretty significant changes uh, in this offseason. So let's go ahead and we're going to go Dallas Fuel roster, and let's take a quick peek at their roster just to talk a little bit about them. So, of course, the Dallas uh, Fuel roster, largely comprised of former Paris Eternal members, uh, heading it, headed up by coaches Aid, Rush, and Yong. In particular, Rush came over from Paris and seemingly brought a bunch of his buddies that he has some history with, obviously, in uh, contenders there. So, coming over from Paris, we had Sparkle, we had Hanbin, we had Fielder, and we had Exi. So, right there, you've got... Uh, Two pretty killer DPS players. You've got Hanbin on tank and you've got Fielder on support. Then, of course, they've got a couple of former outlaws coming over. You've got Rappel on support. You've got Jexy also on support. You've got Fearless over on main tank coming over from Shanghai. And then you've actually got Doha, who's the only seemingly... Uh, uh, what am I looking for here? Seemingly remaining member of the Dallas Fuel of Yore. So... Certainly an exciting uh, announcement when we first saw that in the offseason, but at the same time, now knowing what other rosters look like, um, it, it, in all honesty, changes things a little bit. Um, I think that a lot of people are, you know, we're, we're really high on the, uh, the Dallas Fuel uh, when they were first announced as that, in particular because of uh, how well Paris did. But the league this year is sh or has shaped up to be much more competitive than it ever has been. Um, so certainly, it'll be very interesting to see what Dallas can make work uh, with their new circumstances. Now, on the flip side of that, we've got the Houston Outlaws, whose roster I pulled up here, headed up by coaches Harsha and, of course, Junkbuck, coming over from the championship city of the San Francisco Shock. 
So big deal there, big move there, and of course joining Harsha, formerly of the Vancouver Titans. Now obviously this past season he was with the Houston Outlaws, who I don't even know what they finished in, let's call it 17th. Um, but regardless, he did have a ton of success in Vancouver. Granted, a little bit different circumstances, but we won't go into that. So, Junkbuck, a big deal there, bringing a ton of coaching experience over from the San Francisco Shock. And also, of course, it was another uh, big news story this year when Cool Matt was promoted into the manager role there for the team. So, lots of moves on Houston's part. And let's dive into their roster because there's also been some big moves there. So, we've got Dante over on DPS and Hydration on Tank, um, sticking around from the previous year, I believe. We've then got KSF coming over from the former Los Angeles Valiant. Um, KSF over on DPS, certainly no schlup, um, along with his counterpart KSP from the Los Angeles Valiant, uh, who may or may not be with the London Spitfire, I can't quite remember, but that's fine. Um, <clears throat> looking at other players, we've got Happy over on DPS coming over from the Guangzhou Charge, and Crimzo coming over from the sister city of the Dallas Fuel over on Support. And then probably one of the uh, more interesting sides of the Houston Outlaws, we've got a couple of new players coming up from Contenders. We've got, uh, and actually, if I'm not mistaken, this one might even be from the Collegiate scene. So this is Juby over on Support. And then from Contenders, we've got Piggy on the tank, and we've got Jangu also on tank. So really exciting to see uh, lots of new talent coming into this team, um, as well as a, a, in large part, shuffling of a lot of uh, players. You know, we've got Dallas Fuel, we've got Los Angeles Valiant, we've got Guangzhou Charge. So really exciting to see some variety there. So that's what things look like in terms of the rosters of the two teams. If I had to make a prediction, pause for effect, one last look at the rosters. I'm going to put my money on the Houston Outlaws and their new additions to the league. I'm going to place it all on the back of Piggy and Jangu and say that Houston comes out on top. Uh, I'm not going to predict score because I, I don't really care that much about either of these teams. But interesting um, in that my gut tells me to go with the, uh, the, the new guys to the scene. So there you have it. That's what we're looking at for Houston and Dallas. So now, next up, the second game of the weekend will be the Los Angeles Gladiators against the San Francisco Shock, happening at 2.30 p.m. on Friday, April 16th. That's going to be a motherfucking banger of a game. Holy crap, I did not realize we were starting with a Battle of Texas and then arguably two of the best teams, uh, at least in the, in the eastern, eastern, western, in that region, east, west, west, in the western region. I think I mixed up the Eastern and Western regions earlier today. Anyways, I digress um, earlier in the episode. Uh, Los Angeles Gladiators against San Francisco Shock. That's going to be a, that's, you know, that might just take a uh, best game of the weekend. Um, I'm really excited to see the Los Angeles Gladiators and what they can do with their slightly retooled roster. Also bringing over former San Francisco Shock support player uh, Moth, arguably one of the best players on the San Francisco Shock, although can you really pick favorites? Um as well as see what the San Francisco Shock are able to pull out of their hat with their latest additions, um, and obviously missing some key pieces from, you know, seasons past. One being Moth on support, uh, one big glaring one obviously being Ons, you know, MVP candidate for last year. Um, I, I mean, at least in my mind he was. I'm not sure if he actually was. I can't quite remember. But Ons, I think, was, was definitely a part of the secret sauce in San Francisco last year. And obviously, as we reported last week, now playing in Valorant. So anyways, uh, that matchup will be intense, to say the least. Moving on from there, um, and I'm not going to break down the roster of all of these teams because there are far too many games for me to do that. Uh, moving on from there, Saturday, April 17th, at 3 a.m., so this is obviously a Eastern Region game or matchup. Uh, we have the Guangzhou Charge facing off against the Shanghai Dragons. That'll be an exciting one, although Shanghai looking to prove they're just as dominant as last season. I think they'll come out on top. Oh, I forgot to predict a winner, San Francisco against L.A. Uh, my gut says San Francisco. I can't really bet against San Francisco at this point, uh, but... If the Gladiators come out with a big dub over, over San Francisco, that could mean really good things for their season. So, anyways, 
Uh, moving back, Shanghai, I'm going to pick Shanghai over Guangzhou Charge. Then at 4.30 a.m., also on Saturday, April 17th, we have the Los Angeles Valiant against the Chengdu Hunters, and I'm obviously going to pick the Chengdu Hunters because right now nobody likes the Los Angeles Valiant. And then we have maybe the most interesting matchup in the eastern region of the weekend. On Saturday, April 17th at 6 a.m., the Philadelphia Fusion face off against the Seoul Dynasty. So Seoul obviously coming in second last season, and the Philadelphia Fusion coming in third or fourth, I can't quite remember. Uh, San Francisco, Seoul, and then either Shanghai or Philly, I can't remember. So anyways, really interesting matchup there. Obviously Philly playing in the eastern region for the first time. Um, I did actually, I didn't see it reported anywhere, but I saw earlier in the week that Philly might have been having some challenges with visas as well. It might have been a joke. I'm not really sure. I digress. Uh, it'll be an, that'll be an interesting matchup as well. Then our first game kicking things off Saturday, April 17th at 1 p.m. We have the home teams, the Toronto Defiant, facing off against the Vancouver Titans. I'm excited for this matchup. I don't think most people will be because most people are going to think that the Vancouver Titans are going to get rolled. And in all honesty, they very well might. But ultimately, I'm excited to see what Vancouver is able to do with their new roster, uh, with some of their additions. Obviously, a couple of guys coming over, uh, uh, Fred Winner, Fried Wiener, whatever you want to call them, uh, as well as a few other additions like Fire... Um, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Um, but regardless, that'll be an exciting one to see. And then, of course, Toronto being mostly comprised of, well, not mostly, partially comprised of 9K's former Philadelphia Fusion team. So, of course, we've got returning Toronto Defiant players like Logix and Beast. Plus, we've then got the Philadelphia Fusionites, as I mentioned, in Sato on the tank roll and Hisu on the DPS roll. Then we've got a Los Angeles Valiant homie in Lastro on the support. We've got Soul Dynasty and Michelle coming through on tank. And then, of course, again, we've got some contenders talent coming through with Ansun Jay on support, with Naist on DPS and Aztec, who I believe, although it's not listed here, uh, let's double check. Uh, is a support player. Yes, that looks correct. So so I'm excited to see these two teams come through. I'm mostly excited to see what Toronto's able to do and if they are able to roll Vancouver as it seems maybe they should. Um, but again, I also am a big fan of, uh, of seeing a lot of this contenders um, talent coming through. Um, and, and, you know, I shouldn't, shouldn't specify just Toronto because Vancouver did obviously pick up... Um, at least one contenders uh, team in, I believe, Tiru on the DPS role there. So, and it was Fire, Fridwinner, uh, and then of course we've got Linkser as well coming over from uh, the Houston Outlaws on Vancouver. So, you know, not certainly not uh, not too shabby on Vancouver. Um, a bit of an underdog for sure, um, as uh, Vancouver themselves has talked about with Coach Flubby. But, anyways. Moving on from there, oh, I got to pick a winner. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go for the obvious and pick Toronto. Um, Toronto should win this, and they shouldn't really have a problem winning it. Uh, but you never know what that fresh blood's going to do, right? Uh, Fire and Fred Winter both coming over from the Atlanta Reign. Linkser coming over from the Houston Outlaws. Linkser certainly no schlep on the DPS role. Um, and Tiru being the new uh, the new acquisition from Contenders. Um and plus, I mean, veterans like Rolf and Dalton, um, I'm not too sure if Shredlock is a veteran as well, but I know Dalton and Rolf both both are. You know, uh, Vancouver's got an interesting team, I'll say that. Um, I don't think many people will place them too highly on power rankings and things like that, but regardless, um, they've got they've got a, a presence there. I can I can see it budding, so maybe I'm just being optimistic, but we'll see what happens with them. But I'm going to pick Toronto anyways. Moving on from there, Saturday, April 17th, 2.30 p.m., we've got the Atlanta Reign facing off against the Florida Mayhem. I'm obviously going to pick the Florida Mayhem because of last season. Um, they converted me to a fan, and I'm a big fan of their organization and everything they do, and especially Swing Chip in the team manager role. Um, and I don't really like Atlanta that much. Although, Atlanta looking pretty good in the experimental card uh, tournament, so... After that, at 4 p.m. on Saturday, we have the Dallas Fuel again, back in action against the Los Angeles Gladiators again. So, um, 
again, we'll, we'll now be seeing Dallas playing their second game of the weekend, as well as the Los Angeles Gladiators playing their second game of the weekend. Um, and in this matchup, you know, I think it could be pretty, could be a little dependent on what happens the day before. Um, Dallas, even though I picked Houston, I think people, I would say more people will pick Dallas to win. Um, if Dallas loses, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose their next match. If they win, I wouldn't be surprised if they put up more of a fight against Los Angeles Gladiators. Either way, I'm going to pick the Los Angeles Gladiators because I think they're looking really strong this season. Moving on from there, we then move to Sunday, April 18th at 3 a.m., where the Guangzhou Charge face off against the Seoul Dynasty. And again, both teams will have played the day before. Um, in this matchup, I'm going to go Seoul because I just like Seoul in general, and I don't know much about Guangzhou, so I don't have much to say about them. Moving on from there, 4.30 a.m., the Chengdu Hunters will face off against the Shanghai Dragons in what could be a decent matchup. Um, never really thought I'd say that, but uh, the Shanghai Dragons obviously, again, they didn't make a ton of changes this offseason, whereas Chengdu did. So it'll be interesting to see how Chengdu is able to come together and or if the Shanghai Dragons are able to find that same fire that they had uh, in this past season. Moving on from there, the Philadelphia Fusion will take on the Los Angeles Valiant. So both teams playing their second game of the weekend. And yet again, I'm going to pick... Uh, I don't remember if I picked the Philadelphia Fusion in the last time. But anyways, I'll pick the Philadelphia Fusion this time around because we all hate the Los Angeles Valiant. Moving on from there, we move into the normal hours for us Westerners. At 1 p.m., the Houston Outlaws take on the San Francisco Shock, and this time I'm going San Francisco all the way. There's no doubt about that in my mind. After that, at 2.30 p.m., we see the Florida Mayhem taking on the Vancouver Titans. So I, I actually couldn't have planned this weekend any better. Um, as we all know, like I was just saying, I'm a pretty big fan of the Florida Mayhem these days, um, and I am a former fan, and I will always keep an eye on the Vancouver Titans, but I'm going to have to go with Florida this time around because uh, I want them to kick Vancouver's ass. Moving on from there, we go to 4 p.m. where the Toronto Defiant will close out the weekend with the Atlanta Reign, and I'm going to go Toronto again because yet again, I don't like Atlanta, um, despite how good they looked in the tournament, the uh, experimental card tournament. But I digress. I am also just hopeful that uh, that Toronto is able to come out on top, regardless of who they're playing. So there you have it. That is your weekend. And in essence, the start of the May Melee tournament. And in reality, the start of the 2021 Overwatch League season. Excuse me for dropping in. So there you have it. That was episode 36 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. As you know, that episode was a touch longer than most episodes have been recently because we finally have Overwatch League to talk about again. And really, I mean, we didn't really, it was just talking about the uh, the upcoming games. But I digress. This is your final episode before the season starts on April 16th. And this is also the final episode of your two-week gaps between episodes. So after the weekend, the opening weekend on the 16th, 17th, 18th, we will be returning on the 20th slash 21st of April. Um, so we'll go two weeks before our next episode, and then we'll be returning to weekly episodes so that I can recap the weekend's games, um, as well as any other drama or uh, or just interesting news that might be going on in the Overwatch League and in Overwatch as a whole. So thank you for tuning in to episode 34 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. I'm your host, at Sir DRJM, that's at Sir Dr. JM. You can follow me on all the socials. Um, give me a follow, reach out to me on Twitter, uh, talk to me there if you have suggestions, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want me to talk about. If you're a beginner and you want to know, I don't I don't even know, little facts about the game or how to play or something like that, maybe that's a larger thing. Uh, but reach out to me there and I'm happy to interact with you. You can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Give us a follow, give us a review, tell your friends. And with that, I'm going to sign off because I am tired after recording this episode as it's been a little bit longer and I want to go to bed. So thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you in two weeks after the start of the Overwatch League 2021 season. Thank you.